Family, I got, a, I got a few questions for you. If I asked you which Marvel movie was the best movie, what would you say? Uh-uh, wait, 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 because y'all going to start arguing and I don't need no fist fights in church. Hold up. Or if I asked you which R&B is the best, I'm talking about like 80s Anita Baker, 2000s Usher, or like Coco Jones. Oh, mo, mo, okay, okay, okay. Ah, boys and men and made the list. Okay, okay. You know, when you start asking people questions about things they're interested in, notice I didn't start mentioning, you know, sports teams or Star Wars. Like, folks' passions start stirring up. You start hearing from people what they think. You start hearing, well, how are you going to say that about Jordan? You know what LeBron, you start, you start seeing people bubble up with energy. You start seeing them get into it. And, and, and I've often wondered if that light can be flicked on when you talk about something like clothing, like music, like a sport, which has a right now experience. And don't get me wrong, it can be a great experience. There's nothing like somebody hitting a buzzer beater shot to win the game. But if somebody could get that passionate about something that's only for this moment, what does it look like to be as passionate, if not more than, about things that are eternal? What does it take to stir up something within a man that he would speak words that would bring life to change somebody's reality? That a woman would feel like no, nothing else matters in this moment. You got to know who God is. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15. By your knees are Bibles, and that would be page number 1538, 1538. It also will be on the screen. Our goal is that you would be rooted in God's word. And so today we actually have a little bit more verses than we tend to, but I'm trusting that the Lord will help us to be able to comprehend it. John chapter 15 Verse 26 and 27. My sermon title is a little bit longer than usual today. I'm talking about a promise of power with a purpose for witnessing. Promise of power with a purpose for witnessing. John chapter 15, starting at verse 26. When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And verse 27, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Verse 26, when the advocate comes. The advocate, that term you could say when the comforter comes, when the counselor comes, or the most common name for the advocate is the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. Right here we have God making to us a promise. A promise that he's going to come through, that, that there's going to be something that comes that's going to change the experience of the people. There's going to be an advocate, one that's going to be a champion for us, one that's going to be a counselor. God himself is going to be dwelling within people. And he sends this with a promise. 
Now, promises are things that we at times struggle to keep. For some of you young parents in the room, be careful with your promises. One of my kids lost a little dowel once. And I was like, don't worry, baby. Daddy's going to get it for you. I got you. I promise. Y'all, I'm in the toy store trying to color a purple panda pink. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to make, tear the eye off. Here's Binky. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're just trying to, you're trying to fulfill your promises. My dad is here today, Leon Sr. And, uh, well, I'm Leon III. My dad is here today. <laughs> And I remember once when I was, I was with him, we was coming from the store, and uh, we started to race. One of, my, one of my most beautiful memories of he and I, we're racing, and y'all, I'm trying with all of my might to beat him in racing. He's racing me. He turns around, starts running backwards on me like, what? I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you one day. You want to race today? I could fulfill the promise. <laughs> I promised I would beat you one day. Come on. You know, you know, like, 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 but see, God is one that none of his promises ever fail. He comes through on every single promise. And so when he's with the disciples, these people who have walked with him, but who have also had to wrestle with something like, what does it mean to lose someone you love dearly? And he says, wait, 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 I'm going to send you, I promise I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you one that's going to be there for you, that's going to help you through the toughest of times. I got you. And so he sends this comforter. And now you're going to have to take your Bible and see how this promise plays out. Because it means something for you and me. This promise is something that mobilizes, that empowers us as believers. Look in Acts chapter 1. It's just some pages ahead. Page 1549 in your Bible. Acts chapter 1. So Jesus makes this this promise that God's going to send the Holy Spirit. But for what purpose? Verses 1 through 8 are going to tell us. It says, in my former book, starting at verse 1, Acts chapter 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over and over. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He gave convincing truths. He gave proof that he was real, proof that he was alive, proof that, yes, everything I said that I was going to die and be raised has come to pass. And each of us, need to have a proof moment in order to understand the beauty of God. I'm not saying that you need to go out and test God and say, God, if you're real, make my bank account zeros triple by nine. My sister says she'll receive that, though. (laughs) Be careful in how you test God. 
But on the other hand, there's some there's some you can't walk with this God unless you know that he's real. And sometimes there's a there's a moment of desperation where you just got to say, God, I just need you to show me a sign. And it could be as simple as you holding your hands here and a butterfly just land. Like, that's you, God. It doesn't have to be life-saving, though it can be. Some of you have had some situations in your life where you know that was God that got me out of that thing. But some of you have just had a subtle whisper of God saying, I'm with you. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are convinced of proof that this God is real and that he loves you. Jesus showed himself to the disciples. Continue with me in verse 4. Then on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. We sang that today, but wait on the Lord. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So you, so you have these, these people walking with him, and they're saying, okay, you about to send somebody? You sending somebody that's going to avenge us? You sending somebody that's going to let us win? We've been treated like nothing for so long, and now finally we get to rise up. Let's go, God. When you sending them? And he says, hold up. It's not for you to know the time, verse 7. Or the dates that the father is set by his own authority. That ain't none of your business is what he's saying. Who's going to reign and when they going to reign. That has nothing to do with you. This is what you need to be concerned about. Verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They say, we want to lead. We want to see things run. I know you're about to send somebody. He says, no, I got a job for you. I got a, I got a task for you as my people of God. And it wasn't just a task for them then. It's a task for us now. Pastor, help us understand the task. He says, I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We had our... Uh, our, our retreat just a few days ago with Mac Development. And one of the things I talked about was how you throw a, you throw a, a rock in the middle of a, of a pond and it ripples out. And the innermost circle of that ripple would be Jerusalem. He's saying, start at home. Start right here witnessing about who I am. Then bridge out from 48214 to Detroit. Detroit is the Judea. Then you go out to the world. You get Samaria's our nation and then to the world, to the ends of the earth. He's saying, start here, branch out. I want you to be my witnesses. But what's a witness? I was looking up some of the surveys that they've done with with uh, lawyers, with judges, surveys that they've been doing with um, bailiffs, all these different people. And they said, here's some of the stuff that makes a good witness. If you are uh, uh, have some experience, if you can communicate effectively, if you have a lifestyle that's consistent, if you are one that can understand social cues. But all of them are hands down said the number one thing that makes a good witness is a person that just tells the truth. Verse 
somebody that's honest, somebody that points you towards what really happened. You see, Jesus is equipping this team of people, not a team of perfect people, people like you and I that have messed up in life, that have struggled. And he's saying, I got a job for you. The job isn't for you to win and go out and think you just get to conquer this world. The job is for you to tell the world about me. But don't tell them trying to elevate you. Tell them the truth. The truth is enough. We don't have to add to it and, and try to hustle people and, hey, hey, I'll give you a dollar if you listen to me about Jesus. Like, we ain't got to do no hustling. We simply present the truth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives us power to do so. God sends the Holy Spirit not simply to perform miracles, though he does that. Not simply to give us understanding, though he does that. The Spirit is the one that helps us remember God's word. The Spirit is the one that helps us understand who Jesus is and all that he did. The Spirit is the one that gives us a memory to be like, oh, I remember when you showed up in my life when I wasn't even thinking about you. The last thing I could think about was God, and I remember you showed up. The Holy Spirit does that. And the Holy Spirit gives you power. Power. Why? Because talking about Jesus ain't easy. Why is it that in my natural self, it's easier for me to talk about Nike shoes and Jordans versus LeBron than it is to talk about Jesus? Because our flesh fights against this spirit, which is always right. And our flesh would rather talk about something. What's it called when you, when you ain't talking about something deep and you're just talking about superficial? No, it's a term for small talk. Small talk. I'm grateful for my wife. Every time we go into public spaces where we don't know people, my wife will just grab my hand and be like, all right now, you know me. Because my wife likes going deep. And she struggles with small talk. Oh, uh, how are your earrings? Like, <laughs> so what happens most often is I'm the small talker because I, I, that's just the way I am. I love engaging and I'm, I like having conversations that gets to the deep. And I'm like, Lord, what's the entry point that gets to the deep? And she'll be with me. But if she breaks away from me, what usually happens is I find her off in a corner with somebody going deep. Why is it our natural to stay at the small talk? When Jesus is saying, I have transformed you, I've shown myself to you, I am real, it's natural because our flesh wants to fight against it and Satan wants us to lose. Satan wants to fill you with understanding about the latest iPhone and fill you with understanding about the new tires, the new rims on the car. All the stuff that don't really matter when you think of the, the grand scheme of things, it don't really matter. Next year is going to be a new version of whatever you was talking about and it's going to be old and outdated. We just wasted a whole lot of energy. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm a techie and I enjoy that stuff. What I'm saying is things that have eternal significance though, does it get the same amount of our attention? Does it get the same amount of our time? 
But watch how the Holy Spirit works. No, it doesn't. And yet the Holy Spirit still uses God's word in a magnifying, amazing way. No, you did not study the Bible as long as you may have studied your classes, but God can still work through us. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm walking with you to empower you. I don't simply want you to think you're doing this alone. Know that I am filling you for a purpose greater than yourself. Why? Because you're a witness. You, in your imperfect self, a witness. Why do you think Jesus chose an imperfect 12? So that none of us would think that the bar was too high for us. I laugh sometime that I'm right here. I am grateful that, that uh, uh, phones with cameras didn't exist until I was saved. Pastor K, I got some stupidity online. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would, it would be crazy. It would be everywhere. Like, it would be, I'm thankful that, 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 that it, just, it just started in the, in the grand scheme of things. And I laugh sometimes. I laugh that God would choose me. I laugh. But here's the thing. We all laughing. Because ain't none of us better than another person in this room. And God has chosen us. Pastor K preached about that. We're a royal priesthood set apart, chosen by the Father. He loves us. And he says, guess how much I love you? Enough to trust you with my message. Enough to trust you with my message. And so continue with me, y'all. We're going to stay in Acts. Now we're in chapter 2. And we're going to see how this plays out. This is, and starting at verse 1, this is the, the, the evidence. This is the example. This is the start of God's church. We are in a lineage of churches, and, and this is the beginning. This is the, the first example of what God does when he allows that Holy Spirit to fill people and give them power. What page is that for somebody that's there for me? 1550. Starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Let me pause. How many of you have uh, family reunions that take place? Family reunions are, are interesting because it's beautiful to see all the family come together. But isn't it crazy how from you can trace back like, like, like some of the starting places of some of your lineage. And it's crazy at how different the family can be. Some of the family maybe started in Mississippi and went to California. Some maybe went up to Chicago. Some maybe came to Detroit. Some came to Cleveland. But when they all get back together, you start listening and you're like, the way they talk is a little different than the way we talk. 
that California accent is different than the Mobile, Alabama accent, which is different than, and you start seeing even from the same line can be a different dialect, if you will. That's what has happened among the Jewish people. They've been separated, and as they've been separated, they began doing life in other cultures, and while they're in those other cultures, they're taking on the language of that people. But they come back together. And when they come back together, even though they are rooted in one family, the language that they use is different. So you have all these different tongues taking place, all these different languages being spoken. Continue with me in verse 6. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and then hear this, hear this, hear this. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. You see, you and I look at these verses. We hear this spoken. And and if you if you focus on the wrong thing, you'll see God working, but you won't get the fullness of what God is doing. God does an amazing miracle in that he touches the disciples with tongues of fire. But notice that that the writer of the Bible doesn't stay there. If that was me, I'd have been like, hey, what's that like having your tongue on fire, dog? Like, like let's listen to that up. Is that like a Moses bush where like it's burning, but you don't feel it? Like, what, what is up? You know, I, I would I would ha- we would unpack that more. But the focus isn't on the disciples. The focus is actually on those that are being affected by the miracle. The focus is on the people who are hearing the gospel in their own tongue. I want you to see the power in that because the local church in its earliest day is a is a ministry that goes outside. This is the founding of the church and you would have thought God would start his founding of the church by saying I established my church and everyone came inside and received physical healing and food. You would think that there would be like a miracle that takes place where everyone gets paid and all that came to God leave wealthy. But instead, the miracle is that people came and heard the wonders of God. There must be something said about the wonder of God, that it is more fulfilling than anything we could ever conceive. That God would say what these people really need isn't money. What these people really need isn't even food. What they really need is to understand who I am. And I'm going to use witnesses to bring my word to them. I'm going to fill folks with the Holy Spirit so that my word can get to them. 
And what Satan wants to do with you and I is have us thinking that that was something that happened back then. That the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you and I today. That the infilling of this spirit isn't to witness. I was listening to a dude that is controversial. And I don't, I don't know a lot about him. And because he's controversial, I'm not going to tell y'all who he is. But, but part of his story was he got saved at 15. And five weeks later, he was preaching his first sermon. And some folks would say, man, what? How are you going to start talking about Jesus that quick? But I would say the moment you have a, a proof where God proves himself to you, that next second, you can start telling people about Jesus. You can start being a witness. And the problem is at times the church has put on extra layers of what it means to be a witness. Oh, you got to you got to be a believer for for nine months or you got to go to school before you can witness. or you got to da, 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 da. do they have proof that Jesus is Lord? Do they submit and believe to that? Then free them, free them. I love um, and I don't get to see him as often as I would like to, but I like. Um, Marvin Coffey is one of our dear brothers in the, in the faith, dear brother in the body. And when Marvin and I walked through the community, Marvin was raised in this neighborhood. Marvin will tell you from his testimony that he's had some rough, he, he, did, he was doing some stuff in his neighborhood. And the way that Marvin speaks to men in this community that are entrenched in, in a corrupt lifestyle is very different from me. Because while I had stuff like that on the periphery, that's not my upbringing. I don't have the, the radar to see things. And he sees things in a different way. And the way he can witness is different. That's the same for each and every one of you. And what Satan wants to do is have you thinking your witness isn't as powerful as somebody else's. I'm tempted when I'm with Marvin to be like, oh, my story isn't as powerful. <laughs> that's a lie from Satan. Your story is just as powerful as somebody else's. I don't care if you've been saved since you was two seconds old and you like, all I remember is Jesus. Your, power, your, sermon, your story is just as powerful as somebody that was shot up 12 times and met Jesus on the bed. Like there is, there is, Jesus is the proof, not your journey. Jesus is the proof. And so you can be a witness right away. But what does he want you to witness? He wants you to witness verse 8. Declare my wonders. Just declare my wonders. Tell them how great I am. Tell them how good I am. Tell them how real I am. And be okay with that's all I got. I'm a pastor, y'all. I've been pastoring 15 years. There are some times where I'll be talking to a dude about Jesus and he'd be like, well, what about this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> to be a witness doesn't mean you need to know everything, understand everything, can solve everything. Look, but, but I know this. This I do know. And you can't shake me off of this foundation. He's real. He saved me. He changed me. I ain't got nothing else for you, bro. 
And sometimes, y'all, we, we talk ourselves out of being the witness God wants to use. You're going to hear us talk a lot throughout this next year about evangelism. And I want you to hear me clearly that there are multiple ways of evangelizing, and we will talk about those each week. We'll talk about serving people and letting your lifestyle minister to people as well, right? But don't lose how the church begins. It does not begin with acts of kindness. It does not begin by feeding the hungry. It does not begin by giving stuff. It does not begin by establishing hospitals. It does not. It begins by declaring the wonders of God. And my question is, what would it take for you and I to declare the wonders of God? Is it that you don't see yourself how God sees you? He sees you as a witness. He looks at you and says, my beautiful son, my beautiful daughter, thank you for letting me have your brokenness and use it for my glory. We got weeks to talk about it, and I know it's messy to unpack it. Pastor, you don't get scared? Yes. Pastor, you don't. There's a whole lot of reasons why. But today, realize that he has given you power for something greater than any of us can do. And that's proclaim who he is in our flesh. That ain't what I'm choosing to talk about. But powered, filled by his spirit, that's where we take the conversation. Why? Because small talk won't lead to life change. Jesus is the one that provides us with eternal significance. So let it be the way in which you receive God's word today. Do I want you to go out and talk to the person at the restaurant, at the gas station? Yeah, I'm down with all that. But first, I just want you to see yourself how God sees you. A witness empowered for God's glory to declare his wonders. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you would look at us and say, I want to use them. We thank you, Lord, that we get our minds renewed. It doesn't matter what our parents said. It doesn't matter what our family said. It doesn't matter how many classmates put us down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Lord. What matters most is your word and how you view us. You take impossible situations, Lord. And you do a great wonder with them. It's in your holy name we pray. Jesus' name, amen. Before my brothers sing, there was one more point that I just, I just wanted to make. Because some of us don't realize the power God gives us. And, and that when we share God's word, a miracle is happening. The call was for the disciples to go out to the world, to take this message unto the world, for the world to get it by them going out, starting locally and branching out. That would indeed happen later. But another awesome miracle was that in that moment, they didn't have to go nowhere. God brought all of the different languages to them. 
brought it right to them where they didn't have to. There was a miracle that happened where God said, you know what? I'm going to start this thing off by drawing people even to myself. And I need us to understand that sometimes you got a flat tire with that dude that's towing the truck so that your life could cross paths in that moment and you could share the gospel. Sometimes you find yourself with a cousin and they're opening up in a way like never before. Sometimes we are in a place where we get to share because God has ordained it. And don't miss God using you even when you don't plan on it. Lord, I thank you. Your people have heard your word. Let it sink in our hearts. Use us as your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, we have some.